Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I'm Mark Anthony, and this is Demolition News Radio, episode 103. In this episode, Banishing Evil. This podcast is sponsored by WillowHire.com, the UK's leader in dust suppression equipment. Kick the dust into touch with our new, bigger and better all-in-one dust suppression units for hire. Call Willow on 01582 840045. Homes and houses are demolished for any one of a number of reasons. Some have become dilapidated and fallen into disrepair. Some are simply no longer fit for purpose. Some are demolished to make way for something new, something better. Some are just in the way. There's another reason that houses are demolished. It's a reason that's rarely discussed, and as a result, the motives behind it are not verbalised. The expected benefits are not quantified or explained either. Yet it's a reason that is seemingly so commonplace that it's now become almost an accepted norm. I'm talking about the demolition of so-called houses of horror, the eradication of a house or home where a particularly shocking crime took place. I'm talking about demolition as a banishment of evil. Such demolitions are now so commonplace that it's possible to predict the news flow around them. First, there is the discovery of a crime, often a serial killing and often involving children or young women. Then there is the investigation of the property, the discovery of human remains, the TV interviews with neighbours that are either shocked because the perpetrator seemed so nice or who are stunned that the police and the authorities had taken so long to realise what they had known all along that their former neighbour was strange, weird, creepy. Then there is the candlelight vigil, the placing of flowers and tributes to those that are known to have perished. Then, as the police are still gathering evidence and prosecutors are still building their case, there comes a call to demolish the house within which the horrors took place. Precisely who makes that call has never been fully explained. Maybe it's local residents keen to draw a line under a horror that has happened in their midst. Maybe it's a local authority seeking to prevent the site becoming some kind of macabre tourist attraction. Or maybe it's the property owner that realises that, ghouls aside, no one would want to live in such a property. But as sure as eggs is eggs, the call to demolish a so-called house of horrors will come. Once the forensic teams have departed and the floral tributes have been removed, That call is generally heeded, and that house is generally demolished. What is strange, however, is that this process generally applies only to houses and not to other buildings where atrocities have been perpetrated. Demolition News Radio is the podcast of demolitionnews.com and the Demolition Magazine. There were no calls to demolish the Bataclan music venue in Paris, in which 90 young people were killed during a terrorist attack in November 2015. There were no calls to demolish the Manchester Arena, where 23 young people were murdered during a terrorist attack in May 2017 during an Ariana Grande concert. There is no clamour to demolish schools, churches or monasteries in which decades of systematic child abuse took place. As far as I can tell, there were no calls to demolish the schools at Sandy Hook, Parkland or any of the countless sites of American school shootings. So why do these buildings get a free pass? Why is it that some buildings in which one or two people were killed must be demolished, while those where dozens were slaughtered are just allowed to carry on? The cynic in me believes that buildings like the Bataclan or the Manchester Arena remain intact because they're commercial properties. And for all the horrors that took place, 
and regardless of how many young people lost their lives within, cash will always take precedence over the need to somehow cleanse the building. Demolition News Radio, the independent voice of the global demolition industry. You're listening to this show either on a mobile device or on a computer. You are, therefore, a fully paid-up member of the 21st century. As such, do you believe that a building can be intrinsically evil? That a house can be somehow tainted by what's taken place within? In the movies, the desecration of a burial ground, and for some reason it's generally an Indian burial ground, unleashes all kind of unseen horrors on those unfortunate enough to now live in the house built upon that sacred ground. Are we honestly expecting something similar? If so, how far do we need to go to banish that perceived evil? Should future building be allowed on the site? Should the bricks and blocks reclaimed from the site be destroyed and buried? Should the soil beneath be cleansed and purified in both a literal and a spiritual manner? Personally speaking, I don't believe that a house is rendered evil by what takes place within. By the same token, I have no desire to live in a house where a murder took place either. As I have stated previously on this show, I'm not religious or spiritual in any way, but I respect those that are. I've seen firsthand how religion and spirituality has helped people through particularly difficult times. If religion helps you get through your day, then your belief is worthwhile and it's no business of mine. Similarly, I don't believe that demolishing a so-called house of horrors will miraculously banish an unseen evil. But if that demolition helps ease the pain of the families and friends of those hurt or killed within, then who am I to argue? Thanks for listening. Demolition News Radio, dedicated to demolition.